Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. At that time there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. He answered them, Do you think that these Galileans are worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. Or those eighteen who were killed when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the people living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all perish too. He told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the gardener, Look, for three years now I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I have found none. Cut it down. Why even let it use up the soil? But the gardener replied to him, Sir, leave it alone this year also until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. If it produces fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who today interprets the news for us. As we said at the beginning of the service, if you could summarize all of Lent with just one word, it would be the word repent. It's found throughout the Bible in In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's the word shuv, which generally has the idea of of turning around, going the opposite direction. In the New Testament, the Greek, it's metanoia, which has the basic idea of changing your mind and changing your ways. If you know your Bible at all, you know that from Genesis to Revelation, that is a consistent call that God is sending out to, to people everywhere. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Change your mind. Repentance is uh, the basic summary of the Bible. And it's not just a call that goes out to unbelievers, to those who, who aren't believers in Christ. Martin Luther, in the very first of his 95 theses, said, when Jesus Christ said repent, he means for the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance. It's not even just something we do once a week when we come here formally. Our entire life is supposed to be one of turning around. Today Jesus shows us that God issues his call to repentance to us from a a somewhat strange source, from the news we consume. He says that is a call from God to repent. Why are we so consumed by the news? Why do some of us have to, first thing in the morning, read our newspaper or scroll through our news feed on our phones or to have the TV on uh, showing us the daily news? Well, I think there are probably many reasons. One of them is just to stay informed. But another reason could be a little more sinister, that it gives us kind of a a feeling of being able to play God, that as we have criminals and mugshots scroll before our eyes, we can think to ourselves, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than these people. They really deserve God's judgment. I don't. It it can kind of lead to an entitlement complex that 
that says these people really need to repent. They're, they're terrible. They're bad. But maybe I don't need to do so quite as much. So the people of Israel had a, a bad entitlement complex. It was one of the most perennial, pervasive things that they struggled with. They knew they were God's chosen people. The Lord called them his, his treasured people, his chosen people. They had all sorts of evidence of God's love, right? They had the temple, they had the prophets, they had the sacrifices. They had the proof that God had chosen them. He had brought them out of their slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea and the wilderness, and he had planted them in the promised land. They thought, we don't need to repent. We are God's chosen people. We have the golden ticket. But what did Ezekiel say? What did the Lord commission Ezekiel to say to these chosen people of Israel? Turn back, that's shuv, repent. Turn back from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? The Christians living in Corinth apparently had an entitlement complex as well. They seemed to have a lot going for them. They were filled with the Spirit. They were able to prophesy. Some of them saw visions. They were what I would consider kind of a, a hip, young church in those days. And, and, and they thought they had everything going for them. But they were also the congregation that Paul had the most trouble with. They were divided. They abused the Lord's Supper and they abused each other. They boasted about how tolerant they were of sin, even terrible sins like incest in their midst. They doubted the resurrection even. So Paul warns them, don't become entitled. If you, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. And he used the, the Israelites as an example, right? He pointed back to them See, look at them. They thought they had the golden ticket. They thought they didn't need to, to turn, to repent. And what did God do to them? Well, an entire generation of them died in the wilderness. We too need this warning. That if we think we are standing firm, we should be careful that we don't fall. Because it is tempting for us to also have an entitlement complex to either judge our relationship with God based on how much better or worse we think we are compared to other people, or to, to fall into this trap of judging how God feels towards us based on outward circumstances. To, to look at the news and to think, man, that's a terrible tragedy. They must really have done something to tick God off. And to think in our own lives the opposite, that if, if our lives are going pretty good, God must be pretty happy with us. We don't really need to repent and return as much as some other people do. The Lord challenges that theory in our text for this morning. Some men or some people had come to Jesus and informed him of a news story that Pilate had done a, a terrible, atrocious act of killing some Galileans, as they were offering their sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. A horrific act. It's probably no surprise that these were Galileans, though. Galilee was kind of like the Wild West of Israel. 
It was a hotbed of insurrection and anarchy and, and even sometimes terrorism. So Pilate was sending a warning by, by killing these people, by killing these people as they were offering their sacrifices. The warning was, do not mess with the Roman government. Do not mess with the Roman Empire, or else this could happen to you as well. Well, how were they supposed to interpret this news? They clearly had an idea in mind that, well, maybe they deserved it. Maybe God was angry at them, punishing them for their sin. Well, Jesus says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than everyone else in Galilee? I tell you, no. But unless you all repent, you too will perish. Jesus added a headline of his own. He he talked about 18 people who had died when the tower at Siloam fell on them. And that didn't seem to have any religious or political overtones. It was just, just a freak accident, something that happens all the time. And Jesus raises the same question. Do you think that these people in, in Jerusalem who were crushed under the tower, were they worse sinners than everyone else in Jerusalem? And again, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Now, you really could fill in any tragic event that you want to from from recent history or from even what's going on right now. Um, You could think of those events that do have religious overtones like 9-11 or the the religious persecution that is going on even now in places like the Middle East and in China. Or you could think about even tragedies that have no religious or political overtones at all like the, the wildfires that are rolling through Texas right now. How are we supposed to interpret that news, those news stories? Do those people deserve what they're getting? Is God punishing them? To those questions, Jesus simply says, no. Meaning, it's a wrong question to be asking. We're not supposed to, we're never told in Scripture that we should be asking what God is doing in the lives of other people. In fact, that's above our pay grade. Unless God tells us explicitly, that's none of our business. It's none of our business to worry about what God is doing in the lives of others. Rather, the question we should be asking is, what does this news tell me? And to that, Jesus is very clear. Repent, or else you too will perish. You see, every tragedy, every disaster, whether it's natural or man-made, is more proof that this world is under God's curse. Every death that takes place in our world is a reminder, should be a reminder to us that we will die. And unless we repent, we will also perish under God's judgment. So when you see these news stories, don't wonder, are they getting what they deserve? Is God punishing them? Ask yourself this, what is this story telling me? And in almost every case, the message is very simple. Repent, or or you too will perish. In fact, the fact is that we're still here, and we're still able to be consumers of the news, rather than reduced to, what, a couple inches on the obituary page, is evidence of God's grace. Jesus tells a, a parable to illustrate that. A man had a fig tree in his garden, 
And he went and he looked for it to bear fruit as a fig tree should do. And he didn't find any. And he was about to cut it down. Until the gardener came in and interceded and pleaded for mercy. Say, give it another year. I'll, I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit after that year, great. If not, then cut it down. Clearly, Jesus is, is talking about Israel here. Israel was that tree that God had planted in the promised land. And now the Son of God was here looking for fruit. For three years, Jesus had left his footprints on the dust of Israel. For three years, he had gone around preaching sin and grace, law and gospel. For three years, he had been calling the people of Israel to repent. And they rejected his message. They rejected him. They refused to listen. They maintained that entitlement complex. But Jesus pleaded with his Father. He interceded with them, that, that, that God would be patient with them and not destroy them. Because Jesus wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's really why God is being patient with our world. I think we sometimes do turn on the news and we wonder, why doesn't God do something about this? About horrible things like Russia and Ukraine. Things like the opium op epidemic. Why doesn't he do something about the, the Mexican cartels that are bringing these pills of death into our country? Why doesn't God do something about pedophiles and perverts? Why doesn't God do something about these abortion doctors who have, have murdered millions of innocent unborn children? Why doesn't God do anything about this? Why is this world even still here? I mean, if I was God... I do not know that I would have patience with our world right now. But God is, because Jesus is interceding. As Peter says, Jesus is interceding, pleading with his Father for patience so that we would repent, so that this world would repent. So, in a sense, every tragedy, every disaster, every war, every death is kind of like a public service announcement from God saying, turn, repent. Return to God, your Creator. Return to Him for forgiveness. It's also a reminder to us. Every news story, every tragedy is a reminder to us to return and to repent. In fact, the only reason we're here is because Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He's telling His Father, pleading with His Father, give me a little more time with these people. Let me... Let me dig around their, the roots of their hearts with my calls to repentance, with my law. Let me fertilize them with my gospel. Give me more time, please, Father. Don't destroy them. Be patient with them. Be merciful with them. Because Jesus wants to see us fruitful like that fig tree, producing the fruits of faith. And what does that look like? Well, Paul describes the fruits of faith this way. He says the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that what your life looks like? Filled with those types of fruits? If God was looking at the newsreel of your life, is that what he would see? Would he be happy with what he saw in your life? Because he is. He's looking at the newsreel of your life. Are we producing the fruits of faith? Or do you have to confess with me that 
oftentimes I'm an unfruitful tree and I'm just taking up space, wasting soil in God's kingdom. If that describes you, then you're on the right path. You've taken the first step of repentance that's recognizing your sinful ways. But now it's time to take the second step of returning to Jesus. Because even though the the main theme of the Lenten season is repent, it's not all law. In fact, the Gospel overshadows the law. The Gospel calling us to return to Jesus to take shelter under Him and His forgiveness, to trust that the whole reason He came was to live the life that we never could and to produce the fruits that we don't, to be chopped down on the cross to pay for our sins and to rise again as proof of our justification. That's the real message of Lent. That's the real Lenten call to, yes, repent and then return to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, What we need most is His full and free forgiveness. Because even though that full and free forgiveness is no guarantee that we won't get cancer or some other disease, it's no guarantee that some tragedy won't happen to us that will put our faces on the headlines, it is a guarantee that we will be shielded from God's wrath on Judgment Day. And in the end, that's the real tragedy that we need to avoid. So how do we interpret the news? Well, Jesus says we can't, really. Not in the way we we think we can. Not in the way of evaluating, well, is God happy with a person or mad at them based on what happens in their lives? No, Jesus says that's the wrong question to ask. Don't ask what God is doing to those people, why he allows these things to happen to them. Rather, ask yourself, what is this telling me? Because we know the answer to that question. It is repent or you too shall perish. The good news is that you still have an opportunity. As long as your heart is beating, as long as you have breath, you can return to Jesus where you will find full and free forgiveness that will shield you from God's wrath on the last day. Amen.